This episode brought to you by Audible, and today you can receive a free audiobook and 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash sports. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted, built, and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. This is episode 70. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever platform that might be. Thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. For many people, the fear of failure paralyzes their ability to face challenges and obstacles in life. And in sports, we see this at times where some people don't even want to try to compete. But that's not true for our guest this episode, Vic Beasley Jr., Before Vic led the NFL in sacks with the Atlanta Falcons in 2016, while helping lead the Falcons to Super Bowl 51 against the New England Patriots, this first-team All-Pro defensive end was a three-sport standout in Adairsville, Georgia, and would choose Clemson University to play collegiately in 2010. After redshirting his freshman year, Vic would eventually set the career sack record at Clemson while earning All-American honors two straight years and would be named Defensive Player of the Year in the ACC his senior season before he was selected eighth overall by Atlanta in the 2015 NFL Draft. Here's Episode 70 with Vic Beasley Jr. Vic, it's always great talking with another Clemson grad, and it's great meeting you at Grady's Top Golf event. And I, it was just going to be a challenge for us to try to do the podcast then. So I, I greatly appreciate you fitting me back into your schedule. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's no problem. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to having you share some of your journey. Obviously, you're still in the midst of your journey. Uh, and I'll try not to talk only about Clemson football, but now that you're playing with the Atlanta Falcons, when it comes to contract negotiations, can you guys convince Arthur Blank for free items for life at Home Depot? <laughs> <laughs> Man, unfortunately, probably not. You know, I, I, I imagine there would be a lot of guys trying to get those free offers. So that would be something I would love to have, but... uh I think the chances of slam will receiving that. I can understand. Well, the main thing is that just making sure you obviously have the contract in place. But in all seriousness, how surreal is it for you at times when you're running on the field as an Atlanta Falcon? This is the team that you grew up cheering for. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, I often take time and reminisce. You know, in retrospect of, you know, in my childhood, you know, when I was a big Falcons fan growing up and the times that I would just sit in front of the screen and just watch all the games and, you know, just hope that we would uh, win every single game. <laughs> and, you know, just being able to be in this position now playing for the team that I love is just uh, is going to come true. And what players did you look up to that played for the Falcons? Oh, man, um, Jamal Anderson, Chris Chandler. Terrence Mathis, uh, Jesse Togo, and my favorite player was uh, Michael Vick um, of all time. So uh, it was a, it was a ton of players. I was a, I, I knew a lot of players on that team, almost the whole team. Uh, so I was a big fan growing up. Yeah, and that was during the Dirty Bird era. That was when the Falcons were good as well. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, that nineteen ninety eight uh, Super Bowl run. I remember that. So now let's go back though. Before you're with the Falcons, before you're leading the NFL in sacks, and before you're an All American at Clemson, what was life like for you growing up in Adairsville, Georgia, and your first memories of falling in love with sports? It was cool. Um, you know, I wasn't really uh, introduced to sports uh, until I came across a friend who told me about recreational football. And once he told me about that, that's when I told my dad and my dad uh, encouraged me to get involved. And I got involved around the age of seven. And from then on, I, I really, I never looked back, man. It was just something I really enjoyed and something that I felt uh, best suited my abilities. Other sports that you played, were they at an early age as well? And what was it about sports that you so enjoyed? Yeah, that was early age. Um, I first started out with football. Uh, then I grew into basketball. And as I got older, you know, going to uh, track and field. But um, over, over the years, track uh, basketball became my uh, favorite sport. And um, what I what I really uh, enjoyed about all those games was just really the competition. Um, really competitive guy, and I think that's what really kept me around uh, the uh, sports field. And where'd you get that competitive streak from? Was that from your dad? Because I know he played college football as well. Oh yeah, my mom, uh, my dad, my mom, mom played softball. Or, my dad played, uh, you know, obviously uh, collegiate football. And, you know, I feel like when you play at that level, you have to have some type of competitiveness about you. And I think it just kind of trickled down to uh, to me. How influential was your dad in your football career as you're growing up in Adairsville? Oh, very influential. Um, you know, really, like I say, uh, in my early days, you know, getting started, he kind of let me just feel things out, you know, get the uh, feel of the game and, you know, uh, make my mistakes and then, uh, you know, correct me as I became older, mature more. So he, he kind of, for the most part, just played the back role and uh, just let me fill out the game because I feel like he realized the talent that I had and uh, he knew that I uh, had a chance to do something special. Now, if you loved basketball so much, why didn't you continue pursuing basketball? Oh, man. I just admit that that was a tough decision. Uh, going into my senior year, I was uh, – uh, deciding between basketball and football or whether or not, because I know I had to make a decision soon. So just kind of went with football, man. It was a long, it was a long talk with my parents and sit down with myself, and, you know, just really weighing the options. And I felt like in the long run, you know, probably football. But, um, you know, I definitely missed the game of basketball. So, And do you get to play basketball at times during the off season? Oh, yeah. I play, like, all the time. Whenever I get a chance to, um, I got – I'm I'm very involved in basketball around the area in the Atlanta Entertainment Basketball League. Um, a couple of programs around the area, and I host a tournament uh, back in my hometown every uh, every year. And I do know you do have that uh, charity event for the basketball camps. And so, why is it so important for you to give back? I oh, mean, <clears throat> just kids, kids, um, you know, constantly watch me as I uh, grew into the man that I am. My uh, nieces, my nephews. Uh, you know, just trying to be an inspiration for them and the kids around this community. You know, I feel like when they see me come to town, it just uh, brings a light upon them. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a sense of motivation when they see me uh, doing the things that I do. So being a big basketball guy, how often are you debating who's the greatest and where do you fall? Is it MJ or LeBron? <laughs> yeah, I've had that uh, talk with a lot of my friends Um you know, some grew up in the Jordan area, some grew up in this area where LeBron, you know, has a, a great career so far. Um, but I, I think it's just, it's just different areas. You know, there's different times where those guys played. And those they, two two great players, I feel like they are both of the, the best of their era. 
And, um, you know, Jordan's a hard guy to, you know, pretty much not when it comes to saying this person is uh, better than Jordan. So, you know, I feel like those guys are two, two, two of the best players in the area. It's definitely splitting hairs, that's for sure. <laughs> However way you look at it, they're both unbelievable players. Now, what about the as you make that decision to just focus on football your senior year in high school, what was the re- recruiting process like for you? Were people recruiting you for basketball and football? How did that look? Yeah, so I didn't end up playing my senior year, but um, I had I had uh, D1 offers for basketball. You know, um, that's why I said it was a tough decision for me because I was I was in between whether or not I know I could go play collegiate basketball at the same time. I probably could have played dual, but I just didn't want to put too much weight on myself. I know the uh, time requirement that would be uh, to be effective as a football player and a basketball player uh, that would be tough when you try to juggle both of, both of those. So I just kind of kind of went with what I, what I felt, uh, kind of went what I felt like God was uh, telling me at the moment. Well, and I know Clemson could have used you on the basketball court. That's for sure. I mean, I would have loved to help. I would have loved to help. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did Clemson get into the recruiting picture for you? You know, it, it was kind of late. Um, I didn't really, I wasn't really recruited by Clemson until going into my senior year. And what happened was um, offensive coordinator uh, that came to my school, my high school, my last year, his son had became the offensive coordinator at Clemson. Uh, Billy Napier, his dad had coached me in high school my senior year. And at that moment, Clemson wasn't even recruiting me, so I was real heavy on Alabama and just kind of went through the whole season. And uh, our high school coach, my uh, offensive coordinator, Napier, he kind of encouraged his son to start recruiting me. And, um, you know, I continued to go through the process, and I went up there and took a couple of visits at Clemson. And, you know, I just felt, it felt like home, and I met a lot of people that were just loving and supportive of me. And I was going to ask you, what was it about Clemson that just made you feel at home? I just really, when I went up there, it's like just the love and support, you know, the small town feel uh, similar to my hometown. And, you know, I think I felt like the people that I would be surrounded surrounded by would definitely uh, continue to encourage me and motivate me to become the elite player that I could be. Was there people in Adairsville putting pressure on you that, Hey, Vic, you need to stay at home. You need to go to Georgia. You need to go to Georgia Tech. Or even your dad played at Auburn. Was there some pressure that you should go play at Auburn? Honestly, there wasn't. You know, you would think it would have been a lot of pressure probably from my dad. But my dad was pretty much open. He was like, son, whatever decision you make, I'm for you. Because this is, you know, your opportunity. This is your moment to go out and live your, your college dream. So he was open for me. So I ended up choosing between Clemson and Alabama, which was a tough decision. But... Me and my dad, man, just for being open, open to me on my decision. What was it that made the decision to choose Clemson over Alabama so tough? Man, it was tough. It was real tough, man, because it's like growing uh, as I grew up and uh, matured into high school, and you know, became a fan of college football more and more. And I just continued to see Alabama prevail, and and I knew if I went there, it'll be a uh, high chances of me, you know, winning the national championship. So. It, that was a tough decision, you know, but in, in, in the end, looking back, I feel like I still made the right decision because it, it paid off for me and I got to be where I wanted to be here with Atlanta Falcons. Then when you get to Clemson, though, it seems like you're just all over the field. They Could, could they find a position for you? So what was that like as you get to Clemson and just trying to figure out where you're going to play? Yeah, so that, that was kind of uh, a tricky thing. Um, I came in as an athlete. 
and they moved me. They put me at tight end position. I never played; just went into it blind. But um, I knew the guy, guys that were in front of me, like Dwayne Allen. I knew that he was a uh, a big time tight end, and he had potential of playing uh, pro ball. So I knew I could learn a lot from him, and I knew also I kept myself open to whatever changes that would probably need to be made as far as getting me on the field. So I just went there as an athlete, and I just trusted the process. And so what was Coach Sweeney talking to you about in terms of that process that it became clear that defense was going to be your specialty? I think Coach Sweeney, he, he realized my athletic ability and how versatile I was. So he was he was really a coach that would try to get the best athletes on the field and the best players on the field. So um, I feel like that's what he, his intentions were for, for, for me. So he continued to move me around. He moved me to linebacker the next year. And, you know, I'm sitting in the in the room, meeting room, and I'm like, man, this for me, you know, I'm questioning my faith, whether or not I can continue to move around like that, whether I can transfer, you know what I'm saying? There's little things that play in your mind, but, you know, I continue to trust the process because I knew that Coach Quentin uh, wanted what was best for me. So just keep kept going with the process. So was there something that happened over a, a summer or something where all of a sudden things started clicking for you on the defensive side? Uh, the linebacker, linebacker position, things, uh, click, started clicking for me slowly, you know, just going from an offensive playbook to a defensive playbook. So really just, uh, getting the feel of the, the next level of college ball and, you know, the feel of playing, uh, in the college defense. I, I slowly grasped the, uh, linebacker role, but I wasn't there long. I think I was there for like a, a spring and then I moved to defensive end and the next, uh, next semester or not. And that's obviously where you make your mark defensive end and you actually make that decision to come back your senior year. How difficult was that knowing that you could have gone to the NFL draft and probably been a second round pick? What was that decision like to come back to Clemson your senior year? That was tough. You know, just a lot of things that play into that whole decision making process. You know, the family situation and, uh, you know, different things that try to alter my decision, you know, uh, being pulled from different directions. But for the most part, I wanted to obtain a college degree. Nobody in my family has ever obtained a college degree. So I wanted to be the first to do that. So that was really uh, pretty much the motivation for me to come back for my senior year. And who was giving you advice or who were you leaning on at that time as you're trying to make that decision? It was a lot of people, man. It was a lot of people that I was hearing from. So uh, my mom, my dad, uh, my brothers, you know, coaches, you know, there's a lot of different opinions and what they think I should do here and there. So um, I just kind of went with what I felt like was best for me to do. And I felt like I wanted to get my college degree. That's what I came here to do. I wasn't one of those guys that I said that I felt like, you know, I'm going to go leave early, then I'm going to come back. I wanted to do it all at once. So that was really, you know, the deciding factor. And did losing your brother in a car accident have any impact? Because I, I do know what that's like. I, I lost a brother as well. So was that a role in your decision to come back to Clemson? Yeah, that was that was a big role. Just as far as the side, like I said, some things that played into the, uh, my decision making, and that was one of them. Um, you know, at that moment, it was tough for me to even you know consider even coming back or even continuing on uh, trying to make uh, make a chance to go to the NFL. So at that moment, I was just in between. I feel like, you know, just giving up. But continue to see my mom constantly encouraging me after losing her son. I had to go back and, you know, can't finish, the, finish the deal. Yeah, and obviously you had a great senior year. And 
Now you have to start training for the NFL Combine, and you actually start training with one of the most respected trainers out there. That's Tony Villani at XBE Sports, who's also a Clemson grad, and he's been a guest on the podcast as well. We were at Clemson together at the same time, and I know he had an impact on your preparation. So what was that like? That was cool. That was cool. You know, I didn't know Tony had went to Clemson, so I went down there and I started training with him. And, you know, I enjoyed that whole process. I feel like Tony uh, provided the uh, the best support for us. He provided um, all the uh, things that we needed to be successful at the Combine. So leading up to that process, I just enjoyed it. Um, it was just a fun time in my life. Well, and it seems like he's pulling a lot of Clemson people down there, not just Clemson people, but he's pulling a lot of guys down there and is doing really well preparing guys for the for the NFL draft and the NFL combine, I should say. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he does a great job. He does. He's great at what he does, and you know, I can see why a lot of guys constantly uh, feel the need to go back down there. Well, I keep joking with him that one of these days I'm going to get down there and just let him run me through <laughs> what it would be like, although at 47 years old, I don't know if I can handle it, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do, just let me know how your experience is. <laughs> I definitely will. Now, what was it like then, draft night, and you see that it's the Atlanta Falcons are coming up. Did they call you? Did you have heads up? What was that moment like? Honestly, man, I tell people, man, I had a red and black suit on, so my aspirations and my hopes were to be in Atlanta, but I just... I stepped out on faith, but I didn't really think that was going to happen for me. But, um, you know, just kind of sat in that green room and just waited for that moment. And, you know, it's, that's that's an experience that you, you have to experience to understand. It. For sure. And you mentioned faith. I do believe it was some God thing that this is his pathway for you. So when did faith become important to you? Oh, man, faith has been big in my life since, I mean, adolescent, man, as a kid. You know, my mom, you know, going to church constantly and said people I was a mama's boy, man. So I went with my mom everywhere. <laughs> and I felt like, <laughs> I guess being a mama's boy helped develop that strong faith that I needed to uh, continue on in my life. Faith has been important for me as well. And then I didn't come to my faith until about 10 years ago. So I'm somewhat jealous that you were able to experience that early on in life. And I wish I would have had that, but everybody has their own walk. And I'm just very grateful that I am where I am now, obviously. And I, I imagine the same is true for you. Yes, for sure. Everybody has different moments in their life where they come to Christ. And, you know, it's, it's different times where we all come to know him. And at that moment, for me, I know it was like the best decision I ever made. Same with me. There's no question about that. And obviously, everybody gets tested with their faith. And losing your dad, how difficult was that? And did you really have to lean on your faith at that time also? Oh, yes, I definitely had to. You know, when I lost my dad, that was the third person, third uh, man, pretty much, that I lost in my life. Uh, and that was back to back to back. I lost my brother in 14 to my uncle. And slash pastor in 15. So at that point, I really, really had to lean on my faith because at that point I felt like everything was just being taken away from me. Yeah. And did you question your faith at that time or did you lose some confidence in your faith? Man, I, I'll be honest with you, man. I had thoughts. You know, I had thoughts when, when, when things like that come about in your life, you have thoughts of questioning God, like why, you know, and 
you know, as I continue to think back on on my teaching, you know, the sermons that I would listen to my uncle teach and just the knowledge that I gained from, uh, you know, being a Christian, I realized that, you know, God makes no mistakes and there's no reason for me to question God. It's, it's his, his plans are higher than ours and his thoughts are far much different than ours. I've ran through the same type of situation when my brother was shot and killed in 2014 and I had questions as well and it was obviously a, a difficult time, but it was actually me questioning that faith, which helped me build my confidence in faith. I know that's crazy to say, but that's what happened with me. Wow, man. And I just imagine that you had to do the same thing that I did, same approach as far as leaning on your faith to get you past a situation like that. Yes, I did. And while we might not always understand things, but like you said, God doesn't make mistakes. And regardless of your own paths, ups and downs, and for you out on the field, you had the up of getting to the Super Bowl, but unfortunately the down of not winning. But was that experience everything that you thought it would be getting to the Super Bowl? And it was. It was, man. It, I, it was an amazing experience. You know, despite the outcome, the experience and the the practice and the um, momentum build up leading up to that event was was quite amazing. And you know, the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but the experience was everything. How difficult was that for you to move on? Oh, very difficult, very difficult. You know, I just felt like our team had worked so hard that year, and the time that we had put in going into the Super Bowl, we was definitely ready for the challenge. We came out with. Uh, a chip on our shoulder, ready to, you know, make a statement. A lot of doubters, a lot of people that said that we couldn't do this and couldn't achieve uh, greatness, you know, we was proving them wrong. And I felt like at the end, we kind of just, we let it slip away. We let, it, we let a game that we know we should have had slip away. And that that's a feeling that I don't want to experience ever again. Yeah, and so obviously I presume that's some type of motivating factor for you going into each season now. Yeah, each season because a, a, a Super Bowl loss is it's hard to get over with, get over. You know, especially when you know that you had the opportunities to you know clinch the win. So that that'll continue to play in our mind until you know we win the Super Bowl. And even if we do win the Super Bowl, I still remember the time uh, where we where we could have won that one also. Well, it's just a part of your growing pathway. And what about you and Grady Jarrett? Obviously played at Clemson together. And now you're with the Falcons together. Did you guys ever talk about how cool it would be to be on the same NFL team? We never did. We never did. I think just because, honestly, we never thought that we would actually be on the same team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and And it just so happened. Like, it's like... Wow, how did this happen? How did this come about? And I knew that when they picked him in the fifth round, they was getting a steal because a lot of people didn't know his ability. They, you know, underestimated him because of his size. But I knew what kind of motor he had and the type of player that he was. Of course, yeah, you saw it firsthand at Clemson. And what about the differences as you make it to the NFL in regards to how is the locker room different in the NFL versus college? I mean... For our locker room, it's pretty much the same to me because it's, it's family oriented. I mean, the guys, we all cut up with one another just like we did in college. But the biggest difference is that people have uh, families that are, uh, you know, basically in town. Uh, people have kids now and, you know, they have other obligations outside of football. 
Whereas in college, um, you know, you a lot of people are, are pretty much away from home and away from their family. So all you know to do is like hang out with your, your teammates and, uh, you know, just develop a, a bond. So I feel like in, in college, you become closer to the teammate. As in the NFL, other people have obligations outside of football. And what about the aspect of there's also guys that might be free agents or that are getting drafted that are fighting for other people's positions and this is a job and you're in that mindset now of this is a job. So is did you have guys that helped you your rookie season and now are you trying to do the same thing for rookies coming in? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember when I was a rookie, and, you know, you have to always put yourself in their shoes and look back when you was a rookie and what you had to do to, uh, you know, to grow in that position. So I often try to put myself in uh, the rookie's shoes and help them out on certain things as far as recognizing formations and, you know, getting uh, familiar with the with the offenses and how they, how they want to attack you. And were you nervous the the first day you report to training camp with the Falcons? I was I was nervous, but on the on the field, I would say I was I just felt like I didn't I didn't want to mess up. I didn't want to do nothing wrong, so I was real hesitant. I was more hesitant than I was nervous, I guess. And what was the difference in terms of athletically out on the field? I mean, could you see like okay, there is a big difference between college and NFL? Oh yeah, the speed the speed of the game is different. That's for sure. And it's something that you have to adapt to, but you kind of learn those things as you continue to experience the, the, uh, the, the game, the experience, the feel of the game. And looking back on your career and run through sports, and obviously you still have a bright future ahead of you, but how has sports impacted your life? Man, it's competition it's from a competition aspect because I love to compete. Um, I just can compare that to about anything in life, you know, in outside of football, outside of sports, you know, the battles that you face, the wins, the losses that you take as far as losing a loved one and, and things like that. You can compare that to football because you have wins and you have losses. Yes, you do. And what about any words of wisdom, any phrases, quotes, or just life advice that has meant a lot to you that you would like to share? I've, you know, I've been encouraged by a ton of people. I've uh, have encounters with a lot of people over the years in my life. Uh, but I will say one quote that sticks out to me is a quote by Michael Jordan. He said, I can accept failure because we all fail at something, but I cannot accept not trying. So, you know, that's a, that's a quote that constantly sticks with me because in life, we all do fail at something, but it's up to us to give our best effort. Yes, it is. Well, I know you're giving your effort each day. And what about Coach Dabo Sweeney? What's the appeal with Dabo Sweeney? Man, you know, that's a player's coach. You know, he's a motivational, uh, motivational speaker, I would say. And I feel like that's not even his intentions, you know, at times. And I feel like he just uh, wants to play the role of a coach. But at the same time, he knows how to motivate people. He knows how to get the best out of you. Well, and he's doing a, a really good job, and obviously he was able to recruit you over to Clemson. And again, I think you started that trajectory of getting to where Clemson is now. But Vic, I can't thank you enough for your time, and just you being a part of my journey means a lot. So thank you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Any, anytime, man. I enjoyed that. Thank you for having me. 
One thing certain about life is that it's not passive. It's meant to be active. And just like in sports, the only opportunity of achieving success is that first, you must be active to participate or try. Even though Vic might be a self-proclaimed mama's boy, he's been active in all that he does, from giving back to the youth, to connecting with his faith, and of course, his time on the football field, because it's the thrill to compete that drives him, and he's not afraid to try. Now that finishes episode 70, and remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Thanks for listening.